you realize that you've gone too far when the walls start glowing with purple light from mosses and funguses that are so far below the ground, they're not getting sunlight. You might be following along a tunnel, you think you're going the right way, and an Umber Hulk five minutes ahead of you has already reshifted all these tunnels and you're just going in circles. And now you don't have a way back out. Welcome to the Underdark. I'm Lucas, and this is Making a Monster, the show where game designers show us their favorite monster, how it works, why it works, and what it means. This week, our guide through this fungal hellscape is Brian Holmes, an expert on the Forgotten Realms setting who publishes adventures and tools for Dungeons & Dragons on the DMs Guild, a digital storefront for user-created content. Most of my content is taking something that exists in D&D's lore and bringing it to 5th edition. I did the Nilshai for the Elven Kingdoms, but I didn't invent that creature. I brought the Obereths back for Blood War Bestiary, but they existed in earlier editions. There's the Elhoon, but that's kind of a different creature. Those are like Arcanists who cheated death. The monster he brought to the show is a marvelous subversion of this lich lore. Rich lore? No, lich lore works. The way I've been pronouncing it was, it's a Gratz. But we've been just calling him It's. This is a proper illithid lich. If you haven't played Dungeons and Dragons, those two words might sound like so much nonsense, but if you have, they're genuinely terrifying. As to why, well, maybe I should just show you. Pack your torches and your 10-foot poles, everyone. We're going monster hunting. So to come across him, first of all, you're going to have to enter his lair. And to do that, you're going to have to go down below way down below, to a place so uniquely Dungeons & Dragons you might know it as the Upside Down, the horrifying subterranean world of mushrooms, mildew, and monsters where nothing is as it seems, the Underdark. The idea of the Underdark is always this, it's a constantly changing, shifting maze of tunnels, and if you look at a map of the Underdark, it's never going to be useful. It'll tell you, hey, there's a city over here, but it's never going to tell you how to get there because it's just cavern after cavern. There's no light. The creatures that live down there are perfectly suited to living down there, and they have to contend with things like uh, mind players and even beholders, very, very dangerous creatures. If a singular version of that creature can't take out a mind player, chances are it lives in a society like the Duogar. They live underground, and they have to form these fortress cities to hold back that Those cities might also belong to the drow, gray-skinned subterranean cousins of the elves, or the deep gnomes called Svirfniblin. Often, though, those cities aren't enough to stop the mind flayers. Elithids are their proper name, but mind flayers are what most people call them. A mind flayer is already a creature that's beyond reason. It's from an alien plane, and it can just walk into your mind. That's in and of itself terrifying. You don't have secrets. There's no, oh, yeah, you know, I know what this item does. I know that they just, they know, and they're extremely intelligent. Worse, anything one of them knows, they all know. All mind flayers are connected to a single mind called the elder brain, and the raw mental energy of this connection is called psionics. And the elder brain that is their hive mind hates magic. So what if, Brian asked... One illithid desired secrets of power only found in arcane wizardry, secrets so great they could never be learned in a single lifetime. It might perform a ritual of ultimate blasphemy, sacrifice its body and trap its own soul in a phylactery to become the greatest and most feared of undead sorcerers, 
a lich. For a illithid lich to exist, it's sort of an abomination, even in their own culture. So was born Itzigrats. When he first became a lich, he took it out of the colony of mine players that he once belonged to. But their colony didn't exist close to any food source. So he took the lair of an ancient drow city that had fallen to a calamity. So it's a, it's a ghost city. And that's both literal and figurative because there are drow ghosts everywhere. And so he started seeding rumors that the city had been found because it was considered lost. And so drow would continuously send out raiding parties and that gave him a good fuel source for his phylactery. But as he killed them, he learned how to control their souls. Mechanically, Itzigrats is a top-tier monster with a challenge rating of 22. The whole point was to try and give uh, give DMs a monster for those groups that just feel like nothing can stop them. Because it's a mythic encounter, when you've got him on the ropes, when you get him down to zero hit points, he pulls out the Mind Flayer colony he used to belong to had three Alhuns, and they had a, a weird stone that was their phylactery. He smashes it, and all the ghosts that are with him become Mind Flayer ghosts. His mythic actions are the Elder Brain, the Alhuns, and the Alithids that he took the souls of. And so the second half of his fight becomes you battling his old colony. Mythic encounters you may remember from our episode on the Warforged Colossus. So with mythic encounters, we were dealing with these creatures that were basically boss monsters. You, you hit zero hit points, they get a new pool of hit points, so they become an even more fearsome thing. And I had made a black dragon, Malasaur Rex, who he was the dragon from Dragon Spear Castle, an older module. And when he triggered his mythic, he got six legendary actions and he just went all out. Like a, a dragon that's got seven actions per turn is a lot. And I thought, well, that's cool, but that's physical. What would happen if he took a completely cerebral creature, a creature used to controlling the battlefield, and gave them seven actions? It has magic spells, a huge repertoire. It's an 18th level spellcaster. If your players are prepared to fight a lich, it should be able to, to take this on for the first form because liches are one of the top three. Like, if you're going to face something, that's where you're going to die. Like, dragons, liches, and demons. Is legendary actions allow it to cast more spells, but just the first, second, and third level spells, or a whole crap load of cantrips? So most groups that are at that level shouldn't have too much trouble with those spells. Like, if it runs out of spell slots, he's not going to be as tough as he was before. Once his mythic gets in, he gets more armor class because ghosts are protecting him. So his AC goes up, he's a lot harder to hit. Six mythic actions means those ghosts all around him are able to just sort of fly through and attack the PCs as they're trying to kill this guy. Mind players and liches both don't have too many hit points. So the small pool of hit points, that's kind of, you, you want to hit them hard and hit them fast. Otherwise, this guy's taking you down. Aside from the mechanics of this, uh, and aside from the, you know, this being one of the big three, what do you want players to feel in this? Terrified. Anything intelligent in the game should be kind of terrifying because the, the DM can just say, oh, no, they're too smart for that. This is the plot they pulled, right? So as a player, you kind of want to be on your toes. And then again, that spell casting that hammers you hard. And seven actions, that's a lot of spells. Hopefully your players have heard about him. Uh, I say him, I mean, they're all genderless, so uh, it. 
Hopefully they've heard about its. Hopefully they've prepared. They understand what it means to go against a mind player and a lich. And then once they go in there, they just hope for the best. A smart creature like this should always have a plan. In our book, we did not give any particular, hey, this is what they're doing, but they have their ideals. So he kind of wants to be left alone to grow in power. So what, what happens to your players if you just let that power fester? They could leave him alone and he'd be happy to say, okay, goodbye, just leave. And he would be okay with that. But then you know that there's this pit of evil just growing under your feet. And eventually he's not going to be content with just sitting still. So that's kind of terrifying. If It's one of those, if you don't take care of it now. So this is a question of uh, responsibility then. It doesn't carry with it a lot of um, in like the, the more gray area moral choices. Like, hey, we killed a bunch of goblins. Here's their children. What do we do? He's lived a very long life and he's going to continue harvesting souls until someone eventually stops him. And if it's not the drow, it's going to be someone else. When that food source runs low, it's just like a dragon. He comes in like a force of nature. There's going to be a lot of players who don't have a problem with it, but he's going to start by finishing where he is. He's going to consume as many drow come his way. They're not a particularly populated race, so eventually they're going to have a problem with him and send more and more, and he's going to cut them down, and, and it's going to create a power vacuum. So your players walk away. Drow continue to do this. If the drow deplete themselves, Dugar are going to try and move in on their territory. It's going to upset that balance under their feet, and there's going to be an underdark war that would start. The, the, the rippling effects of letting something like this fester, it would affect a lot of souls. Maybe you have friends on, in the underdark, like, like I said, the Sphere Neblin, the, the Deep Gnomes. They would definitely get caught up in it. If you played Out of the Abyss, which you said you did, did you get to the Myconids? One of my favorite parts. I love my conids. They're like my favorite creature. I would hate to see harm come to them, which is what would happen again if this this force was unleashed. And that's not to mention that it's a creature that wants arcane secrets. So if we're talking Faerun, it's wandering the Underdark. Maybe it gets bored and, and starts going towards the Anarosh Desert. There's Sharn trapped under there, another horrifying abomination. It, it can tap into these elder evils that existed in the world just because it's bored. If you want something a little more personal, it attacked its own mind player colony. Well, if survivors happened, they know that they can't take its on without help. So having mind players come to you asking for assistance could be a really interesting way to just flip that on its head. My guest is Brian Holmes, Forgotten Realms expert and game designer on the DMs Guild. Thanks for listening to Making a Monster. If you like this story and you want Itzagrats in your D&D game, Brian has made available the holy grail of podcast extras. You can download the full stat block for Itzagrats, everything you need to run this encounter, from the show's website, scintilla.studio slash monster. That's S-C-I-N-T-I-L-L-A dot studio slash monster. You can also support Brian on the DMs Guild by checking out this recent project where Itzagrats appears, Mythic Encounters. Mythic Encounters was a book that I worked on with Steve Fiddler and ERF Jordan. Go check them out. They're fantastic people. The book is a lot of fun. If you like the idea of bits, but you don't like mind players, there's 35 other creatures in there to have fun with. The Realms is my, my sandbox. All my content is almost ubiquitously created for that first. That's sort of the context at which I, I build all my material because I like a good story. I, I know that kind of sounds cheesy. D&D is all about story, but 
I like a good story. And so the realms is full of little narrative threads to pull from. So the DMs Guild, you search Brian Holmes and you'll find all my stuff. There's also a whole lot of content there that's not mine that's really good too. So as far as getting a hold of me, Twitter, that's usually the best place. It's Fallen Wyvern, all one word. So Fallen like something that has fallen and Wyvern like the monster. You can let them know I sent you by using the hashtag making a monster or tagging me at Spark Otter. If you like what you've heard and you want to support the show, the best way to do that right now is to subscribe or follow wherever you happen to be listening and share this episode with the people you play games with. Your recommendation goes a long way to helping people trust me with their time and take a chance on this show. I'll see you next week. Or the deep gnomes called the Svrfneblin. Often, though, those cities... Gosh... (laughs) Ha <laughs>